This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. It's first day of the 5th of May. Uh, this is your one day late, the audio podcast. Hello, I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Sam. We're back after a week away, week and a day away, I suppose. <laughs> yep, it's great to see you. We've got um, a load of news items. Uh, this week's show is entitled... An Obituary Edition. Yep. There's a little bit of sad news, which I'm sure you're already aware of from the community, but we'll get there in a minute. Shall we hit, get straight into the news items? Let's get to the news, that's stuff that's a bit more current. So, first up is Avid, um, makers of Pro Tools, as they're now known. They are um, saying it's okay for Pro Tools to run on 10.6.7 on Mac's, Mac OS X. Um, I... Well, yeah, that's yeah, what they say. Anyway. The, the, the full details are um, up, up on their site. Um, you know, they got a blog post there if it, kind of announcing it. I always wonder why it takes so long, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. So I have nothing else to contribute there, which isn't, which is worth contributing, I don't think. Should we move on to the next thing instead? Yeah, let's move straight on. Now, the, uh, next here we got is um, the Isle of Tune, which is, a, you know, a music sequencer based around driving ha- driving cars around the road network that you build. And as they go past things, they go beep, blah, or they make noises. Okay. And I think it's really cool and fun, actually. Um, anybody who's uh, kind of SimCity-ing, you know, at some point, will uh, recognize the whole kind of layout and the feel of it. And you, you kind of set these routes and the cars go around. I, yeah, it's, it's really fun. They're, they're planning on releasing it for iPad at some point, but I don't think they've quite got there yet. But you can... You know, the show notes are have a link to it. You can play it as a Flash game in the browser. Yep. It's a lot of fun. I had a couple of problems. Um, I tend to find that if you build routes for the cars independently, they follow them. But if you want to try and have a big thing and have lots of cars driving around it in a maybe kind of more kind of random way, mm-hmm. the interaction between them isn't particularly clean at times. They, you know, so I, th- that was a bit problematic for me. They tended to follow all the cars eventually ended up doing the same route rather than heading off into different routes. So, you know. But that could be something that could be adapted, you know, maybe a kind of go this way, then go this way kind of thing, like you get a train set or something. That would, you know, yeah, that would solve the problem. I think it, it's a cool app though, and it's a it's a interesting way of sequencing. And yep, it's a way of nice. thinking about getting things to happen in a more stylistic sort of way. You know, you you're you're imagining these cars driving around and making decisions, where as opposed to telling notes to play or not. Yeah. And if you take a look around YouTube, you can find a whole load of videos of people doing kind of pop songs using the sequencer. So that's a, <laughs> a, a pretty cool kind of adaption, pretty cool use of it as well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's, it's a fun thing to have a play with, definitely. So that's kind of cool. What's next? Um, oh, this kind of relates to what we mentioned last time, which I, well, I was reluctant to. Um, was it last time we talked about the digital rights thing? The the, the the only thing I remember from from last time was the fact that Skynet may have became self aware and we wouldn't had to we wouldn't be here now doing this show. Well, anyway, imagine you had a website and you had stuff on there and somebody said that you you're violating copyright. Well, then your ISP might just shut you down. Surely that couldn't really happen. But here's a story where it has happened. Yeah, the Intermas- International Music School Library Project, IMSLP, um, are reporting a fact that they were. Um, their, their domain, their American-based domain, was frozen because of a, a DMCA order complaining about some copyrighted content on there. And um, it turns out that the they weren't breaking the law, and it was perfectly fine what they were doing. But it, the consequences of the of the accusation was the complete freezing of the .com domain for, despite the fact that the accusation was basically unfounded. Yeah. So that's um, it's it's a little bit of a dated item, I guess, because we've been away for two weeks. So saying this. You know, I mean, this was kind of back, kind of towards the end of April, but nonetheless, it's 
you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning just as an issue. Um, the, the kind of the web people have really kind of came on board saying this is the reason why you want to have a, a domain which is controlled outside of the American or European jurisdiction. So, which is, yeah, which is an approach. I'm saying that's definitely the case. There, nobody else is going to, you know, bring your website down that quickly. As so, is that, does that depend on what the top level domain is? So, if, so if it's a .com, then you're talking American. If it's a .co.uk, you're talking. European legislation, so, yeah. So, okay. So you could take like a Canadian domain if you wanted something like that. Um, Depending on what they're planning to do with their digital management. Yeah, I'm so, yeah. The, the local domains are generally yep. managed locally. Yep. So hence they tend to flow under the national jurisdiction. So um, you do have to be careful though, because you have to buy a domain for that kind of domain from a provider in that jurisdiction. So if you were to use one of the kind of big global providers then they tend to be American-based or certainly European-based, and that will limit what you can actually get. So it's just something to be kind of aware of, I think. It is, and just be aware that copyright stuff does matter. You know, people people do care about it, even if you don't. And so if you upset someone, then, well, you're going to get your website taken down. Yeah. So um, m- moving on from that, but with kind of copyright-related issues, um, I, I think, you know, First of all, I'm going to say this should be our final Spotify story, and we have definitely no more Spotify stories next week. Definitely. In fact, especially seen as we, we've been trying to lay off the iPod and the iPad things as much as possible, and this, this combines them to the, the two of them. So two we've got go. Spotify being now available for iPod, iPod and yeah. synchronize, but you're able to now synchronize into that, yeah. which is... Which is interesting. It, it is interesting. I'm saying Spotify, basically, you can now sync in against your iPod, against your iPad. They're also planning on offering sales for you know sales to own as well so you can buy it and own it directly through them as well so they really are taking it to taking it to apple now um it's, it's a definite thing i if i remember correctly though i don't think spotify have an american actual operation yet do they there's um it's been a while since i pay attention certainly that wasn't the case yeah as far as i'm aware they haven't they they still don't actually have the american release yet though so but you know i'm saying it's that probably makes sense apple will probably have the american market very well cornered right now and amazon are playing in that space Mm so keeping clear of it for a while and building yourself something is quite cool i think this is a great idea as well because you can with the new restrictions that are in place it's like so you don't want to pay a subscription so you can play this track five times and once you've played it five times you can't play it again but you can buy it you can just buy it press the the button and buy it instead and they'll let you play it so i think that's an interesting because one of the best things about the premium spotify is the ability to have things offline playlists and again this is an answer to that saying you want your playlist available offline? Fine, just press the button, buy the whole playlist in one go, and you can not only will you have it on your computer, you can have it on your iPod and things as well. So, I think that it's 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 an interesting approach, isn't it? And for Spotify, it could offer a dual kind of model as well, in that you pay for your subscription service, but then you might also decide that you're going to buy the the tracks you particularly like or the ones you enjoy i I don't think they've released a lot of details about the kind of format of those tracks but it could even be they're going to offer you know a higher quality Mm. audio than you get normally for the subscription service i'm saying that would be definitely very doable for them wouldn't it so yes you know yeah the details of that would be interesting to find out although i i don't think it's going to apply to me personally but hey yeah hey I think they also have variable pricing in there as well. I think which is another big thing because Apple have been so aggressive about it's got to be this, it's got to be this, it's got to mm. be this, haven't they? And I think that's going to. That's you know, it. When when, you, when you're buying this, who are you who are you then buying it through? You're buying it through Spotify's own purchasing thing because there's 
for a long time you've been able to buy most tracks there's been a, within the Spotify interface there's been the buy list track and it takes you off to somewhere else to yeah I think it, it. the idea is that you're going to buy from within Spotify okay so you hit the button and it'll bill you bill your Spotify account in whatever way you're paying for that yep As, so it will be the kind of seamless service in the way that you can buy through iTunes or even through Amazon one click yep. as well so that sounds a good integration and I've just found here it is they are talking um, MP3 downloads here so it's MP3s that you're buying so once you've got them you can they're yours yep I, I think it's an interesting story that's going to be we're, we're having a no Spotify story next week unless they do something really big and we can't miss it okay so that basically means nothing was what we just said there well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Shall we, shall we go on to Let's, the next story? Yep. I think so. Um, note flights. This is they've popped up a few times in various ways. Um, personally, not not but not within. It's the first time they've made it into the audio podcast. So yeah, that's what right, are they yeah. talking about? Well, the the reason this is here is um, I notice it's uh, I, I notice this as as a as a piece that they're working on. It's a multi part piece, and they're just talking about the ideas of music notation today and the purpose of it. Um, I I really just mention it. It maybe should have been in the plunder, to be honest, actually. Hey, but who cares? It's in the news section. It, so they're basically just right, and they have a whole load of kind of questions about the purpose of notation, especially as it reflects towards kind of, you know, web the, the web world now and computer music and these kind of ideas. And I thought it was an interesting thing. If you're looking for to read just a little bit around the subject, then this is probably a, a thing to take a look at here. Also, the Note Flight blog is, is a really good blog. I find it really fun to read. So I'd, I'd definitely take a look at that. A couple of questions they ask is things like, you know, the idea of the, the notation was to facilitate performance. So, you know, but the majority of people don't do that anymore. So where, where is the value of notation and what does it allow? And is is it more valuable to have a recording or is it more valuable to have the rec- have the notation? And how should the copyright of these things be related? Mm. So it, it's a multi-part thing that they're planning on visiting. And, you know, the next version was going to be the 80s software. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I haven't, That'll probably be out now, actually, because we're because of our week off. But you know, it, it's something of interest. I thought so. You know, I want to mention in there. It's an interesting article. I think, yeah, they made the good point where you, you can. It's easy to think of notation as being a kind of pre-recording way of recording music, but they they're arguing quite strongly that it's more than that. In that, when you've got a recording of music, this is the actual the sound is there. It's fixed. Whereas notation is is a kind of description of how you might make the sound, but there's the flexibility in there that you could make it in any kind of way and so yeah definitely food for thought yeah you know that's a, a little mental thought there Ooh, okay, so. um oh unbelievable heading heading back into the itunes domain maybe i shouldn't have mentioned that we weren't talking about that M- momentarily but uh smule have released the magic piano which is another kind of a multi-touch kind of tool to to make music um i, I think smule are cool actually um, so something I enjoy watching is they're, um, they're, I think they're meant to be weekly, but they tend to be occasional YouTube stream kind of, uh, you know, yep. you, you, you stream even what YouTube stream? No, you, you stream stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And when they had do like a show around their place and they just have kind of fun and it's a lot, it's a, it's a lot of fun, but uh, the magic piano is another cool app. They've just released, um, 4th of May. So we're right on, right on the ball there. sort of stuff. they have this really great, uh, promotion shot of a hamster playing it as well, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. So, you know. I think it has to be, has to be mentioned. Hamsters there, so. around the world will be walking around on iPads, I'm sure. Um, yeah, this is something I was I was surprised that this was new. I think I came across this j- during its development. Um, I, I like it because they've got piano arranged in a spiral, which kind of, I'm, I'm into that kind of thing. Fair <laughs> enough. No, fair enough. Of course. Cool. So from a, 
from from hamsters playing pianos, we have to move into our main feature, which is the title of this week's show. Suggested is a little bit of a a little bit more of a sedated affair. Um, I, I think before we head into this section, we should obviously um, sincerely offer our condolences on on these matters. Because I, I say that because we are very sincere, and we, we're going to talk about three people who have passed away in the past fortnight who have made a significant contribution to the to the field. But at the same point. Our ability to stay serious for any length of time while doing this is very limited, and I think we're going to struggle to not laugh in the middle at some point. So we should seriously, you know. Well, that's definitely the case now that you've said that anyway, Scott. We weren't going to keep quiet. But we weren't we're going to find it. I think, well... L- let's, let's go into it. We, we've said that. I, I hope people understand that, you know. So these three people are all people who've contributed significantly to music technology over the past 50 years or so um yep so let's start with norio oga i think that might be how you say his name sorry if it's not but he was the man at sony who kind of turned sony into the huge success that it's been and and many other things. Yep. Do you want to pick up from there? Yeah, his main, um, the, the most significant contribution relevant to the to the show here is he was actually the gentleman who pushed behind the physical format size for the CD. Um, as a musician, he dictated that a key a key element for the format would be the fact that you would have to be able to listen to the entirety of Beethoven's Ninth, Ninth Symphony in one go. So as a consequence, it was declared that the CD had to make 75 minutes, and as a consequence of that, it became a 12 12 centimeter format that's it so they were developing the software the they were developing this hardware um and they had the data track being 500 nanometers wide i think it is for a yes 500 nanometers wide on the cd format and you've got 1.6 micrometers in between each track and so the physical size of the object is directly related to how much sound you can have on there and he said, well, in that case, we'll go for 75 minutes in order to get that symphony on there. You know, you've got... That. Yeah, it's interesting that one gentleman could have such a belief to dictate a standard, which is which has been inherited far and wide. I'm saying if you consider the fact that the DVD size, well, CD-ROM it. size, is all related to this kind of CD. So what's happened format. with the later formats is the track width has got smaller and smaller and dual layers and things like that. It, you know, it means you can fit more and more and more into this size, but the size has stayed because, well, because CDs became so popular, it only took them five years from going on sale to outsell vinyl. And, yep, people, that means there's millions and trillions of CDs in people's collections that people want to be able to play. So a new thing comes out, you're going to want your old CDs to fit in it. Yeah, definitely. So that's a uh, yeah. Anyway, so that, that, I thought that was a really interesting kind of yeah, perhaps a bit of a sideline. Anyway, there. But so, that, that's an interesting, you know, that's a, that's a great contribution there, and it's important that we acknowledge these contributions and recognize how these contributions come to be as well, because it kind of you know g- gives us a clue as to the relevance of future, hmm. you know, future big decisions that maybe people have to make and how how they can be informed by these things. Should we move on to our second victory? So, who's next? Yeah, this is a Sydney Harmon. <laughs> okay, this was one that I hadn't heard of, so I was quite interested to find that... I've, well, I say find, I've now lost the um, tabs that have his information in. Well, here S- we go. S- S- Sydney Harmon was an American, um, an, an American businessman who is 
widely widely referred to as the person who brought stereo into the American domestic market in a in a kind of big relevant way. Um, it, his company, um, I'm trying to think, it's Harman. Harman Kardon, um, that's, yep, that's it. it. Harman Kardon were amongst the first people to bring out kind of stereo radios. They weren't true kind of FM stereo radios in the way that we maybe know that technology now, but nonetheless, they were bringing out stereo radios into the into the domestic domain. Um, things like the Festival TA230 um, was one of the first stereo re- receivers they people. did, and apparently they were all over American colleges. Yeah, I think prior to that, like your stereo receiver, your your radio receiver would have been a great big thing, and wouldn't have sounded all that great. And so, they took it. They, or he pushed for these things to be made, which were smaller and had better quality sound, and they were hugely popular. I think another, um, yeah. So from an audio point of view, that was his involvement in there. He eventually started introducing a Dolby noise reduction systems into the into the hardware into the hardware as well. So. Um, you know, I mean, they were quite a, a forward-looking kind of company as well. I think another thing just to mention to him, which isn't particularly relevant to our show content at all, but he is, um, he, he was an advocate of uh, en- enlightened labor relations as well with his fact- with the factory workers. And as a consequence of that, that brought him into the kind of public service domain as well um, in the kind of 70s. That that was kind of happened. So I think that's just, you know, it's just a, a little yep. sideline. That's his other kind of... As a businessman, he was definitely, well, so I read, he was someone who believed in having kind of keeping your morals about you while you're directing your business direction. So it helps to learn there. So that, that's kind of cool. That brings us on to our final. Final and most famous, perhaps, certainly in our little um, world, is Max Matthews has has passed away. He, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, Ma- Max Matthews is the person which uh, programs such as Max MSP. Uh, well, Ma- Max, as it was at the time, which like, became Max MSP, was named after him. Um, his contributions were were were, were massive, really. Um, yeah, he's widely held as the grandfather of computer music because he he wrote the first computer program which could produce music, which was called Music. Yeah, back in the fifties, was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, on on very antiquated hardware as well. I'm saying it's just you know I, I think often we forget the significance of like people like this or maybe something like Chowning those 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 people's work because we. It, it seems so nominal what they've done when we consider it against the computing hardware we have now. But at the time, it was pushing the hardware to the very limit and involved, you know, overnight computation to deliver on so ideas. The, yep. Which is, you know, in- incredible. And obviously, I think the most significant work that most people would know of would be uh, the 1961 uh, arranged the accompaniment of the song uh, Daisy. Wasn't yep. it? Daisy Bell or the Bicycle Babe 2. So he. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how this is this is um, famous because the cultural reference made in the Kubrick film two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. Um, although he didn't actually program the voice synthesis, which is where the link was put in there with the Hal singing the song as he died. Yeah. Max Matthews programmed and the digitally produced musical accompaniment for that. Yeah, but yeah, the so there's been there's yeah there's, you can read all about him. There's been lots of stories post death. But I found I found it interesting that um, Wire magazine in January this year ran a a large article, well, an article about him and his significance. Even so, it's it's not one of these things where oh, that person's dead. Wow, wasn't isn't didn't they do great things? This is 
everybody he's known for a long time. Max Matthews is a legend. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. They're definitely street. Which made me just quickly talk about the Baton stuff as well, didn't it? You had the yeah the, the Radio Baton, which was really the beginnings. Well, in, in my mind, certainly is kind of start the beginnings of the whole kind of new interface paradigm and all that sort of stuff. He he had Radio Batons with which he was interacting and controlling. So, so bringing physical gesture into control of digital music, which is yep something that we're still seeing with well, stuff rock band and yep. all, all these stuff. It's very it's relevant. Kind of we connect. It's all. Yep. It all has all has a theoretical well, like an inheritance back to this sort of stuff, doesn't it? So Yep. So research into how to turn waving your arms around into computer signals that can be used. So although I guess he was probably the radio buttons, were they were they digital initially or are they outputting control voltage? But it's going into the digital system eventually, controlling the C- controlling the operation, yeah. Yep. That was cool. That's uh yeah. So, I think we should uh, we, we we should move off into the plundered section. We should uh, today, and then uh, yeah. So uh, we got uh, two. Well, I got two items in my plunder notes. I don't know if uh, Sam's got something. I'll start with. Um, I'm going to do them in the wrong order to throw Sam off here. So, <laughs> first of all, um, the the Super Collider hardback book finally made it to print. Um, it's a book about programming in Super Collider. Uh, Super Collider is a kind of fun open source language. You can try it on a machine if you've got one there. You can work through the work through the book. There's obviously a whole load of online tutorials as well. But I thought as as the book's out and it's been quite a, you know, there's been a lot of anticipation for the book. I thought it yeah, was it's cool been a long time so. coming, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh. So that, that that's my pick. Um, yep. Yeah. That one kind of there. Sam. Cool. Um, so going more in, sticking with the kind of historic theme, Moog Moog Music have a a, a YouTube site, isn't it? Like they've. So I came across this first as a news item because they there was a, a mini documentary has been released looking at the history of moogs which is start like starting from the 70s um but yeah if you follow through into the user they've got they've got all sorts of videos they yeah moog videos they're good check them out yeah i, I don't think there's anything else <laughs> after that really is it <laughs> it is cool and i think with that we've made it to uh we made it to the end of, a, of a today's show. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, so we, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Our apologies. Uh, we've, you know, if you've made it this far, well done. We've, I, I think, our week's holiday <laughs> got to us a little bit. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, kind of slightly, slightly cold on this one. But you know, we we're here and we're going to end with. Um, well, uh, we, we need we need to do the contact details first. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. Sorry, so I'm getting ahead of myself. It's like, we oh. the end, run away. No. So if you've got anything to say to us, we'd love to hear about it. You can um, obviously, why, why not Twitter us um, at The Audio Podcast. If you want to send us an email, show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. There's the audiopodcast.co.uk site where you've maybe subscribed to this podcast. If you haven't, why not subscribe to it? If you have <laughs> subscribed to it, why not tell your friends and get them to subscribe to it as well? Woo! Woohoo! Indeed. That's awesome. Now, Sam, how are we ending today's show? We're going to have our computers sing or say... Daisy Bell. Okay. Well, we couldn't find a um, a legitimate, a, a, a safe, a, a copyright safe version of it to use. Let's put it that way. So, and we thought it'd be the most obvious reference and way to close. And we like to close a piece of music. So, yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna type in the words and get my computer to say them, and we'll we'll hear we'll hear that now. Okay. 
I'll say goodbye then. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. It's going to be great. Bye. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, dude. I'm half crazy all for the love of you. It won't be a stylish marriage. I can't afford a carriage. But you'll look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two.